welcome to the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. The stories we tell ourselves and others shape the lives we lead. I'm your host, Dara Lise Lyons. Welcome to another episode of the Transformational Storyteller Podcast, where uh, the stories that we tell shape the lives that we live. My next guest has lived and is living a really exciting life and one that I am uh, eager to know more about, as I'm sure you will be too. Um, He has, um, you know, I don't want to ruin his, his story by telling too much about it, but he has an adventurous spirit and he is um, a resilient person. And um, without telling too much, he's, a, he's kind of a survivor. So I'll let, him, uh, I'll let him tell you his story. What's going on? My name is Wendell Holland, uh, born and raised here in Philadelphia. And last year in 2018, I was on the CBS show Survivor Ghost Island. Um, it had been a dream of mine for a long time, probably like a decade, and it took a lot of work for me to get on the show, but I think I put in the right time and energy, I studied the game, sent in a lot of application tapes, and finally, eventually, they allowed me to go on the show. And I made the most of my opportunity, I won Survivor. Uh, it was an amazing experience, and I'd love to tell you guys a little more about it. So thank you so much for agreeing to be on today. Thank you very much. I appreciate you inviting me out here. Yeah, I am so excited. And I really, you know, I want to start off with talking to you about the issue of like manifesting your dream because that is something that I'm intensely interested in. So tell me more about how that worked for you. All right. So sometime back, I'd say around law school or something, Mm -hmm. I started watching Survivor just as something to do. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this is, it's a crazy game. There's a lot of like social interactions. There's a lot of physical stuff and there's like actual survival 
going on out there. Yes. I'm like, you know what? I've never went camping before, but I'm kind of physical, I'm kind of athletic, and I'm kind of social. So yeah. I could probably find a way to survive, but I thought that that would be something that I'd be good at, this, this show Survivor. Yeah. So when I started watching maybe like 10 years ago, I started taking notes on like game strategy and how I would play and stuff. Like watching it as if I knew I was going to get on. Yeah, yeah. And then I started applying and that was back when I was like clean cut. I was, I wasn't as, I don't know, I wasn't living my best life at that time. So I just, but I kept applying and I kept on studying. If I showed you my survivor notes in my phone, it's like, if I were to print it out, it'd be like 30 pages. Cause I, to this day, I still take notes on survivor. Wow. Yeah. So I, um, I was, I went to law school, then I was clerking for a few judges in Philly, mm -hmm. still applying and like sending in videos in the judges' chambers or in the courtroom, suit and tie, yeah, clean yeah, cut, yeah. and uh, nothing happened. And then I, um, I left the law and I started a furniture company, yeah. started expressing myself and um, having a creative outlet. And I got, I, I think I really became myself. And then when I applied then, that's when, that's when I was accepted. That's when they took, they wanted that version of Wendell, I, I assume. Yeah, well they wanted the authentic yes. you. And I think we can't really manifest our dreams until we kind of are who we are, right? right? Yeah, and we're like aligned with that. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's what happened with me. I, I felt like at that time I was building and traveling and I was, I was living exact, it, it felt like I was in the right space at the right time, and um, I guess that's that's what they that's what they wanted. And what's so cool is when I got out there, I did very well, and I won. I won. Yeah. So it's like that version of Wendell, not the law student, not the law clerk. That was the version of Wendell that was best for that show. Right. And if you had gone when you were maybe the law clerk, like I don't know that you would have lasted I, as I long. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't. Yeah. Have. And. I, th I attribute that to me. When I went on, I was, it was, um, we filmed two years ago. I was 33, 33 years old. Mm -hmm. And I was out there with a bunch of 20 somethings. There were some people older, but there were a lot of people younger than me. Yeah. And I think that being a 33 year old man, I had been through successes and failures and I've, I've been lied to and I've, you know, I've been, whatever, I've just been through a lot. Yeah. So I don't think that everything I say or, every lie that I might tell on Survivor will, will, everyone will just believe it. You know, I've been through things, so I stayed humble out there, and I understood that like, things will go wrong out there, and you just gotta call audibles and keep moving. Yes. Just like in life, things go wrong. So I think if I was a 20-something out there, I would've just thought that, you know, anything I can do is just gonna go over, but that's not the case. Right. You gotta, in a game like Survivor, you gotta stay humble. Keep your head down and just grind. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's kind of what that one. Is. Well, and it's so interesting, right? Because like you've got this spiritual element, like you like you made this thing happen, and you put yourself in that you know in that arena, and you know. But at the same time, you talk about taking notes, right? Like that you, yes. so that there's this practicality to it, and at the same time, like kind of like this willingness to just be humble and just like show up and not really know what's going to happen. So how do you balance those? So right? I'm a I'm a Preparation guy. You know the five P's? Proper preparation prevents poor performance. No, I don't say that again. Proper yeah. preparation prevents poor performance. Okay. Right? So I know, or prior preparation, whatever you want. Yeah. I know that if I am well prepared, then yeah. when my opportunity comes, 
I'll be, you know, well suited for that opportunity. Yeah. So I'd been preparing and kind of, I guess, creating my luck. Like, if you think that something's going to happen, if you know that something's going to happen, why not prepare yourself for that? Yeah. So the whole time I was like, I was studying the game because there are so many different social components and aspects and just things that nuances that if you don't watch Survivor or if you don't watch the evolution of Survivor, you might not necessarily know. Right. Little yeah. things, like dumb things, like um, people sleep. Usually it's like one big um, sleeping, like a yep. big yeah. bed, not yeah. really a bed, just right. a bamboo. Yeah. People kind of sleep within their alliances. Yeah. You don't know that, but unless you watch and you kind of understand that. So what, what did I do? I slept away from my alliance every single night. I just slept like actually next to a guy that I was trying to vote out. Yeah. Because it's like you don't want to... You don't want to give too much up. You don't want people, you don't want, and I definitely saw like alliances kind of sticking together like yeah. that. Or like if, uh, if we were on the island and um, Zach voted you off and you were my ally, and then me and Zach have to then go back to the island, I can't just be mad and flipping stuff, you yeah. know. I have to find a way to be cool and make things work with them. Well, if we were on the island, don't align with me. No? I, I wouldn't survive more than like oh, a day. Man. Like I, I have no survivor. I had no survival <laughs> skills. I didn't. I hadn't been camping a day in my life. Oh, wow. But I. Yeah. But I knew that um, to go on the show, you would need to know how to make fire, for example, with flint. Okay. So every day in my mom's backyard, I'm practicing making fire with flint. And then um, I get to Wait, the- Wait, how do you make fire with flint? Uh, you have this like, um, this piece of magnesium yeah. and like a, like a knife or a machete or something. You have to scrape the magnesium off. Okay. So you have like a little mound of magnesium yep. amongst some kind of tender, dry leaves, whatever yeah. you need. And then you have to take, you flip the, ma the magnesium over and there's like a stone and you have to strike the stone. Oh. And when a spark hits the magnesium in the tender, yeah. then it ignites it. God, it sounds yeah, a little easier, but yeah. it's not so easy. No, I, it doesn't sound easy yeah. to me at all. But I like, but I really think like this is the part about like preparation that you were talking about, right? Like exactly. that you're getting those skills um, like in advance. Yeah. Yep. So I'm with with the knowledge that I'm going on the show. This is like maybe two months before I actually went out there. I, yeah. I was I got the call. So then every single day I practice making fire with flint. And I'd go in my parents' backyard, and I'm just like, hey, mom, I'm out back making fire. And she's just like, all right, son, sure. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. whatever, okay? And, um, and I recorded my first time doing it. It took me like 15 minutes. Okay. And then I got down to doing it within two minutes. Wow. Uh, just making it real fast. And then I get on this island, and there's a new twist where at the final four, there's a challenge, and the winner gets to take one person to the end. And then the final two, there's a fire-making challenge to get uh, to see who the third person is to get to the end. God. So I ended up in that fire-making challenge against yeah. like a military vet, and I was able to beat her. Right, so because you had gotten it I'd down. Been prepared, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it all worked. And I was, I had no idea that there'd be this challenge to make it to the top three. Right. But that's what got me into the top three and allowed me to plead my case to the jury and ultimately. Yeah, and when? ultimately win. Well, you know, so I do some acting, right? Yes. And really, essentially, the whole, like, 90% of acting is just, like, getting prepared beforehand. You just know your lines, know your lines, know your lines. And then you can go in and you don't have to worry about the lines. And you can just kind of show up and, like, let go and just be. Yep. And I feel like 
it's that's exactly what you're talking about. It's like if the more you learn in advance, the more second nature it's, it yeah. becomes. It's just yeah. natural. Boom. It just yeah. And then it's like I've been living my life um, in sports, yeah. and you know, so I know team like team sports. So I yes. know teamwork. I know how to lead. Um, and I've been social all my life, and I've traveled all my life, and done exchanges in college, and seen the world. So it's like all the and seen America. So like yeah. Survivor's a cross section of America. Right. They bring people from everywhere, yeah. the craziest yeah, backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I wind up on this island with these people, and I'm able to connect with everyone. So they don't necessarily want to vote me out early. And as I make it along, I start winning things like you win immunity and yeah. you're immune from being voted out that right, night. Right, right. Won a couple of those and I ended up in the final three. That is so cool. Well, and I mean, how much you talked about being a furniture maker and that that's what you do now. Like, I feel like those skills probably translated pretty well. Yes. Yeah. So I'll tell you a little about that. Um, I went out there and I was just like, all right, I'll be that guy that builds a dope shelter for everyone and whatever we need, I'll just be able to build it. At one point, um, a friend of mine named Kellen, she broke her belt. So I'd spent like three days with some fishing wire, just fixing her belt yeah. up. I made necklaces for people out there. So I was just being friendly and being, um, I, I had some utility out there. Like I built a pantry for this girl named Libby out there. She yes. loved cooking. Yes. Um, me and my friend Michael built like a tool shed because he liked building. So I was just building things to make the camp life, um, uh, to make it better. Right, you know? right, yeah. Because yeah. then it's, if, if it's seamless at camp or kind of like at home, mm -hmm. then when you go on a challenge, you weren't sleeping on, you know, you weren't in a terrible environment and then going out to try to compete. You weren't a happy dope environment and then you, you're happy and you're excited and you go out and compete yeah, yeah, and then you win. Yeah, yeah. And my tribe, we won like a lot of the early challenges. Right. Well, and speaking of, you know, a show like Survivor, right? I feel like some shows you want to get the people with the skills off as soon as possible because yeah. it's like, oh, you know, I don't want to go up against the people with the skills, but something like this, like you're gonna need someone that can build a fire with flint it's until true. the absolute last minute, right? Yes. See, that's the thing. Um, if they were smart, they would have got me out there early, <laughs> straight up. I <laughs> know uh, they're no, as they're very smart. Yeah. But if man, it's like if they'd watched as much Survivor as you'd watch, they would have voted you off early. Is what we you're had saying. some super fans out there that watched. Mm. Like I, I've watched for the last decade. They've yeah. watched. Survivor's going into its 20th year next year. Wow. So they've watched since 2000. Oh my goodness. So yeah, they, they know a lot, but it's like when you get on this island and you're dealing with real human interactions with people. Yeah, yeah. Who do you want to be around? Do you want to be around like a jerk who's just running around and being narcissistic and saying weird things to people? Or do you want to be around someone friendly for the yeah, next 39 days? Yeah, yeah. Someone that will provide a service but then ultimately, that friendly person, people want to vote for that guy at the end. They, yeah, they want to give him the, yeah. the money. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword, and uh, it's, it's, it's tricky. And fortunately, I was able to be likable, but not too, too likable to where they voted me out early. But you know, I was in that sweet spot. <laughs> you want to be like, kind of like, like average for the first half, and then... Turn it up near the end. Right, yeah. right. Got it. Well, and you, and how many people did they have 
to start? Started out with 20 people, two tribes of 10. Okay. Sometimes they start with three tribes or, you know, they do different things, but yeah. we were two of 10. Wow. Yeah. And so then you just like sort of like hoping that you get to the next level. Yeah. So what's crazy is um, in the third, I said we won a lot to yeah. start, but what they do is they have your tribes and then after a couple challenges, maybe like a week into the game, they'll do a tribe swap. So you reach into a hat and grab a new survivor buff. Yeah. It's like the scarf. Okay. And so then the tribes mix up. So after our first swap, we won the first challenges. Then after the first swap, we got mixed up a little, shuffled a little. And I had an alliance with this guy named Dominic. He's like a, he's a couple year, years older than me yeah. and he's from New York. He's okay. a like tough Italian dude. Like yeah, a Northeastern yeah, guy. Yeah. I was like, you know what? We'll be solid together. And we thought we we thought we were just running stuff. So we tell everyone the plan of who we wanted to vote out, yeah. and we thought everyone was on the same page after this tribe swap. So we had like four peep four new people that we were just competing against come in with us, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we got you. So we go to tribal council, and me and Dominic are like on our high horses, and we're like joking in the tribal council, yeah. and we're ready to vote this other person out. And the four people that came in, they didn't go with our plan and they blindsided us and oh, got no. our closest ally, Morgan, out that night. This was day like nine or 10 or something oh, like that. And no. we were just, we were shocked. Yeah. But it was that shock that kind of like woke me up. Yes, like, yes. You can't believe anyone out here. Anything's possible. And you have to um, understand the different possibilities. Those four people, yeah. They could have listened to us and voted out the person that we wanted to, but that wasn't playing their best game at right, the time. Right. That was playing Wendell and Dom's best game. Yeah. So uh, I think that's what like kind of really woke me up out there. Like, whoa, I'm playing Survivor. Um, I need to be the friendly guy, but I also need to understand everything that's going on and, and try to see myself in other people's shoes and what what. What should they do at the time? Yeah. Well, and it's mind boggling, right? Because you mentioned you're a social person. Like I see on Instagram and yeah. stuff that you, you're still connected with a lot of these people from, you know, from the show and all that. And like, so how do you, how are you legitimately friends with people yeah. that kind of where there's backstabbing yeah, going so on and all that? It yeah. doesn't always happen. Yeah. Some seasons are closer than others. Okay. And sometimes it, ha it depends on the theme. Sometimes the theme allows for people to get closer or, w or whatever. Um, but as the game has evolved and you're getting a lot of people that truly watch onto the show. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? This is a game. This is a game that deals with lying, cheating, stealing, backstabbing, and you know, doing whatever you can to win a million yeah. dollars at the end. But outside of the game, we're real people with real emotions and we're all probably good people. Yes, yeah. So we understand in this game, it's like a, it's like a heavyweight fight, you know? You can uh, you can in the ring throw haymakers and try to knock somebody yeah, out, yeah, but yeah. outside of the ring, you'll give them a hug like, "Yo, good fight." Right. You know, yeah. there's a respect, there's a respect for that thing that happens in that arena. Yeah. So, um, I guess with with my season especially, it's like People respect the game, and what's outside of the game is real people and real emotions. Yeah, yeah. With families and children, you know. Well, who who also have this unique experience to share, right? Because That's nobody, I mean, like, 
I've never been camping a day in my life, but even people who have been camping, they haven't been your version of camping, right? right. Like, I mean, right. that is intense stuff. Right. Yeah. Like, like one night it was pouring rain on us and we had, um, this was after a swap. So they sent me and four others to a whole new island. We had to start over. Yeah. And so we didn't build any roof. We were just like, all right, we're probably going to be out here for five days. Let's just build our, um, our bed and sleep on it. And of course, during that time, it pours on us one night. Yeah. And so I, I find myself like we're shivering and the rain isn't stopping. It's like a monsoon. And we're just me and two others, Chris and uh, Laurel. We just start walking around the island, look, trying to find refuge and we couldn't yeah. find anything. And we ended up on the beach, like getting poured on. And the three of us just spooned each other oh and we just held each other. And it was yeah. just like maybe we'll survive and we ended up waking up in the morning on that beach i think a producer might have kicked us or something like oh that my God. but it's just like you share this experience with these yeah. people and then you extend that to the greater survivor community yep i was on season 30 uh 36 wow, that's yeah. 20 people times 36 there are over like 500 survivors yeah yeah and right. we call it the survivor family because you all have this shared experience and a lot of times when you get together and you meet other castaways, it's just like, it's all love and it's big yeah. hugs and it's all, it's, it's a good time, you know? Oh my gosh, com completely. Yeah. Cause you all probably have a totally different language. Like you've just yeah. been through different things. Uh, so this is kind of a side note, but you mentioned a producer maybe kicking you guys. What did the producers do? Do they get to stay places or what? Yeah, what it, so what's that like? They have um, what's called base camp. Okay. So they have a different, island and i think they come in like 12 hour shifts or something oh, like that God. and what i really respect about the whole crew they um it's been in fiji for the last like six or seven seasons yep and they employ hundreds of fijians and so you'll see on tv you'll see like eight castaways but yep. then they're like in the challenges there might be a hundred people with cameras and producers and other yeah. things just watching yes, yes. and directing and stuff and um when you're on the island, they, uh, when I say like, I really respect the process, they're not going to be out there eating or like, you won't smell like foods or anything because they know that you're really starving. Yeah. They don't sneak us Snickers bars and things like that. You, we're really eating coconuts and a small portion of rice and right. maybe some slugs and snails and whatever we can catch. Yeah. So, um, they're like the ultimate professionals out there, but they're kind of like surviving too with these long shifts where they can't really eat or anything. Right, right, yeah. And especially think of the camera crew. If I if I want to go catch a fish or something, I got to go dive in the ocean and try to catch it. Yeah. And the cameraman's like, all right, I got to go dive in. I got to get my water oh, gear on and dive gosh, in. You know, wow, they're out there. Yeah. They're out there doing it too. Right, which, you know, I mean, I know from film sets and stuff, if you don't feed people for five hours, they get pretty miserable. So, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, th that's amazing that yeah. they are right there with you. And yeah. I was very impressed and, um, and thankful for, like, the professionalism of the crew. I mean, they're the best in the business. They've been doing it for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what they said was they took the, the, they had a lot of cameramen from, like South Africa and from Australia that film wildlife. Yeah. And if you think of like, if I'm filming a, um, a giraffe, a giraffe doesn't have a script. They're just running wherever they want to run. Yeah. So this cameraman is great at doing that, yeah. chasing wildlife. Right. So in the game of Survivor, we don't have a script. We're running around an island, 
you know, plotting and scheming. So, yes, yes. Well, yeah. and like struggling to struggling. get some slugs or whatever yeah. oh, it is. Man. Yeah. I yeah. had to eat a hermit crab. I had to eat, I ate snails. Wow. I got lucky. We caught some crabs sometimes, right. caught a little fish oh a couple my times. Gosh. How has the experience changed? So, you know, you go there, you're there for a few months out of your life, and then you come back into the real world, like how has your perspective on life shifted as a result of Survivor? Um, I was, I was always uh, very confident in myself mm -hmm. and I thought that I, I could achieve anything I put my mind to, yeah. but I think Survivor really like amplified that yeah. because this was, I don't know what other I don't know what other huge dream I had. This is a dream that like you almost think you can't accomplish. Like yeah, getting on this yeah, TV yeah. show, the first season there were 50 million viewers for the finale. Yeah. It's like this yeah. is a huge thing. Now the viewership is not nearly that. It's more like nine, eight million. But um But nine, eight million no, no, is yeah, huge, right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and we have a lot of like loyal, loyal fans. Yeah. And I was one of those fans. It's like this dream that you don't know you will ever really accomplish and then for you to accomplish that yes for me that was like winning the nba championship you know and had you ever met a survivor before okay being a survivor nerd um yes so i know of i know of a bunch of the castaways before i was on like years before i was yeah. on i'd find them on facebook i'd follow them some i'd shoot messages too yes. so there was this one guy named russell swan from philadelphia a okay. philly attorney Okay. And I'm clerking um, in City Hall yeah. for a judge. So I'm like dealing with all the, you know, lots of attorneys every day. Yeah. And one day I was like out on Dilworth Plaza in front of City Hall. And I see this guy with dreads walking down. I'm like, yo, that's Russell from Survivor. Wow, and I'm like, man. this is my chance. I ran up to him so fast. I was like, yo, Russell, you don't know me. My name is Wendell. I've been applying for Survivor and I'm gonna get on. I promise you I'm gonna get yeah. on. He was like, oh yeah, that's what's up. Dapped me up, kept it moving, stalked him on um, Facebook, sent him a few messages like, yo, Russ, we met. I'm gonna get on one day. Oh my gosh. So I, like two, three years later, I get on, yeah. I win, I come back home, and there's like an eight month lag before my season airs. Yes. So during that lag, I was like, you know what, let me reach back out to Russ. So I sent him a message. I was like, yo, bro, I got on. Yeah. And he was like, oh, that's what's up. Good luck. Good luck out there. I'm like, nah, man, I just got back from the island. Wow, he yeah, was like, yeah. He was like, oh, that's what's up. So he, he started like coming out to my watch parties. Oh, nice. Uh, and we invited fans to watch parties, and yeah. they got like bigger and bigger and bigger as the season progressed. Right, people right. were like, wait a minute, Wendell, you're doing pretty good out there. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, so. yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's like, that's amazing. And you had so much in common with him, what with right. him being in the law and you exactly. being in the law. And he was like a real competitor out yeah, there too. Yeah, yeah. He played twice. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, and I wanted to ask, so I'm really glad that we brought it back to the law. Like, when did you make the decision to leave? Okay. So that's a, a great question. I was, uh, the last court I ended up in was family court. Okay. And for me... I'm like a family guy. I love my family. Um, and family court is a miserable place. Oh, yeah. It's miserable. You see, like, fathers coming in crying, mothers crying, children crying. Um, I was doing, I was seeing abuse cases, um, dealing with custody, yeah. making uh, what are, restraining orders and things. Yeah, yeah. 
signing off and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, this is a miserable place. And at the same time, I started, I'd always been handy and I could build little yeah, things. Uh -huh. But then I, I built my own bed while I was working in court, just as some, some kind of outlet. I needed a bed yeah. and I built it for myself. And it was a beautiful bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, not compared to what I built now, it looks a little janky and proportionate, <laughs> proportions were off, but it was a, a great bed. And yeah. people started like, I posted it on my social media yep. and people started reaching out for me to build things for them, yeah. friends and family. So on this, on the side, I'm law clerking, but then I'm also building things on the side. Yes, yeah. And as that business is growing and I'm feeling more, feeling more fulfilled building and creating, um, then my, my judge retired. Got so. It, yeah. I found an opportunity. I was like, wow, this side hustle was growing. Like there was real growth. Yep. And now I have an opportunity to actually go full force in it. So that's when I gave it a name. It's, um, the name is Beave Unlimited. My childhood nickname is Beave. Okay. And spell B -E -V -E. that. B-E-V-E. B-E-V-E. B-E-V-E Unlimited. Okay. Um, so I decided to name it after this childhood nickname that my family called me. It was like just family and close friends called me Beave. And then unlimited because we build like everything and we, I feel like, I feel like in that creative space, me and my team, we're limitless, you know, yes, so yes. Eve Unlimited. That's awesome. Yeah. And people, can people like from anywhere get in contact with you and yeah, commission stuff they or can, how does um, that work? We have stuff all across the country. Uh, it's easier for us like up and down the East coast. Okay. But we have stuff in California, Chicago, Miami, Martha's Vineyard. Um, we have stuff everywhere and you could just reach out to us on on Instagram at Beave Unlimited. Yeah. Uh, you can go to WendellHolland.com. Yep. And I'm gonna put all that in the show notes, and then people yeah. can say like, "Yeah, I've got this table made from you know the winner yeah. of Survivor Ghost Island yeah, or whatever." So that, yes. That, yes. That, that's happened. Yeah. So fans have uh, have purchased things. You know. Yeah. Fans become clients. It's kind of cool. And clients become fans. Right? True. That's yes. another thing. Yeah. It's like you got something before I was on the show, and now. I'm on the show and, you know, they're like, yo, Wendell from Survivor freaking made this. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny because I think there is this tendency to want to sort of compartmentalize people, right? And be like, oh, Wendell, the, the law clerk or, you know, the uh, law student or the creator or the survivor winner but like really what I hear you talking about is like that you're like a pretty integrated person right and that all the things you do kind of support one another yeah absolutely. yeah and is it correct that you got into horticulture after oh, being on survivor yeah, yeah that's crazy I'm glad that you uh mentioned that my apartment is like a little jungle now yeah. so I don't know how um a friend of mine she gifted me this little uh like a succulent. Yes. And okay. I'm like, I don't know anything about plants, but this is easy to, it has like no real carry. Like you spray it once every three weeks or something. Yeah, and it lives. yeah, yeah. And then another friend of mine, Bryce, who was on Survivor like a few years before me, yep. this Survivor family, like we're all friends oh, now. Yeah, all the yeah. Philly survivors. Um, so Bryce, he gifted me a plant too. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I got two plants. And then I started like, getting more and more plants and all of a sudden I look around I have like 70 80 plants in my apartment oh my god how big is your apartment <laughs> it's not big it's you're like, probably going to be the only person who needs to move because you need more room for yes, your plants yes <laughs> yeah yeah I yes yeah. The, I'm like inventing places in my own apartment to put plants like oh this plant could go in this walkway right here yeah sure I'll just move it every time I need to walk through oh my gosh yeah, yeah. well you're used to like sleeping in in the yeah in the, in the wild, in the wild right yeah. so I have a I have a real tree I recently put a tree 
in my bedroom. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so we yeah, have a tree wow. in there. Oh my yeah. goodness. Wow, that's, that, that's awesome. Well, and then, you know, I want to, so, you know, I heard about Survivor and I'm like, oh, like, man, you win a million dollars, right? A million dollars back in the day used to seem like a, like a lot of money, but I read that you used your winnings to pay off your student loans. Is that you read that? Yeah, I read that. I, or that's what you said you were gonna do, or something uh, in an well, interview, it, right? Well, Is that no, what no, you... no, no. Okay. Uh, so um, I want I wanted to invest my money. I, okay. I, I, so I went to a company called the Pennsylvania Trust. That's where my dad invested. Yeah. His money. Okay. I asked my dad. I was like, "Yo, about to get a million dollars, pops." What should I do with it? Wow, that's so, a nice question to get as a father, right? So, yeah, I'm sure, so, yeah, yeah. So he was uh, very proud, but he brought me to the company he invested with. Got it. Um, but I do have like a pile of law school loans. Yeah. Um, and you know, you got to pay your taxes. Uh, I know, right? A couple like, so, weeks ago, uh, they took a huge oh chunk. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, a couple yeah, weeks yeah, ago, yeah, 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 I had to wire that money. Um, so, so basically, what I did, I invested the money um, in a diversified portfolio because yep. um, I don't want to be stupid with my money. And yeah. um, what else did I do? I I pay off my student loans monthly. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to just pay that huge lump sum. Yeah. So I paid those off monthly and I did, I made one investment in an investment property. So. Um, my friend and I found this property near Northern Liberty yep. for an amazing price. Got it. Okay. And we uh, we bought that property as a four unit, so we're we're rehabbing that. So you didn't do anything like ludicrous or ridiculous so, or so irresponsible. That's, yeah, that's where I'm, I'm 35 now. It's like, oh. what do I what do I need? I I bought I bought a car before Survivor for the business. Yes. A okay. big suburban where I can transport furniture and I can put a trailer on. So like I have. A nice car out there. Like yeah, I have, yeah. it gets the job done yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, got it. And I don't, I haven't made any big purchases because yeah. I don't need, I don't need much. And I'm frugal and I'm cheap. <laughs> okay. Straight up. Like, <laughs> well, you, well, all that planning and that preparation yeah. and whatever. Yeah, I'm like you're, t you're so uh, organized and uh, yeah, like yeah, on the just, ball with stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I don't know. The easiest way to lose all that money is to spend it on foolish things. Right, so, right. Um, I, I got that investment property, and hopefully, um, we're gonna like refinance and use that money to yeah, buy more properties. Yeah. So I won't have to really touch my nest egg. Well, I think it's just this amazing marriage that you have, right? Of like being this sort of like free spirit, this creative person, this person who can just sort of like go with the flow and at the same time like does make these responsible like adult yeah. decisions. Yeah, so I think I think it has to do a lot with my father. Um, yeah. He worked very, very hard. Um, he's a, a retired Philly attorney. Okay. And he also had a, a government job. He was in Harrisburg. And whenever I'd see, I, know, I now know that he's had successes and failures in yes. his life. But yeah. Uh, if he'd been fired from jobs or whatever, I never saw that as his son. I just saw him on to the next thing and just yeah. like, he always was moving forward. Right. And it seemed like he was just so calculating and there was, there was failure was never an option. It's like, yeah. all right, if this doesn't happen, I'm not gonna wallow in my sorrows. It's what's the next move. Yeah. 
And um, I think I get I get a lot of that from him. So a lot of the fans, they said like I was boring and I wasn't doing this or that, but it was really cause like I was locked in and calculating and focusing on my next move. I wasn't focusing on giving you a great TV show. I was focusing on getting to the end of that TV yeah. show and you know, winning that, winning yeah, that show. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So uh, yeah, I, sometimes I, I keep my nose down and I like, I grind and, but I'm also a free spirit and I just. Well, I, I relate to that totally, right? Yeah. Cause I'm like an actress and I'm a writer and I, but, but like I get my butt in, in the seat and I write, you know, for hours and hours and much of my life is like super boring. I'm in my pajamas, like working hard. And then I have these amazing life experiences, right? And I, I find that's the only way I know how to live. So I'm right there, yes. right there with you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> stuff. yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna balance my checkbook today. Like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you gotta lock in, you gotta lock in, but then you can also enjoy yourself. Right. And so a lot of times, excuse me, a lot of times that allows you or affords you the time to enjoy yourself. Yes, yes. And vice versa, you can fully enjoy yourself because then you're not thinking about like, all the things that are undone because you already got it taken yeah. care of. Yeah. What I'm finding now, uh, now, <laughs> what, I'm finding now <laughs> what I'm finding now, and it took a while for me to understand this is, especially as an entrepreneur, Yeah. like the downtime and the self-care time and time for you to just like meditate or relax yeah. or do something. For me, taking care of my plants takes me away from things. Yeah. I could easily be in my shop working 24 hours a day. Oh yeah. But then it's like, I'm not taking care of myself. No. So I need to have certain hours that I'm working and other hours that I'm like uh, doing other things. I'm, I'm, I'm exercising or I'm trying to eat right or yeah. I'm spending the right time with my mother who only lives 15 minutes from me, yeah. you know, those, those are the things that you have to, I look at it, I look at it as a bunch of glasses on a table and you got to keep all the glasses relatively full, you know, yes. don't let any of your glasses um, empty out or anything like that. And it's like family, there's work, there's friendships, yeah. there's taking care of myself. Yeah. You know, there's a lot. There, there is a lot. And all of it is like, good stuff, right? With the yeah. right kind of, I think plants are a great analogy. Like if you kind of water them appropriately, they will thrive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta take care of them. Yeah. They're like, they're like animals or they're like children or something. They're, they're living things. And, um, I'm learning with my plants, you know, some of them have had difficult journeys yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. as a matter like at the end of the seasons, at the end of uh, the summer, I went to Home Depot and I saw all these plants on clearance for like yeah, a dollar yeah. and they were like dying and stuff and I bought a bunch of them okay. and now they're thriving in my apartment. Yeah. They just needed a little love, you yeah, know? Seriously. And sometimes I got to, I, I felt like one of those dying plants that sometimes and then sometimes I felt like one of the thriving ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is a podcast about stories and stories having the power to transform and something that I always like to ask all of my guests is like, you know, if your story had some sort of theme or message or moral that you really like wanted to relate or stand behind, like what, what, what's, what do you think your story and you stand for? I stand for openness. Yeah. Um, I, I give a lot of like speeches to children. And one of the things I say like, um, is that 
um, I encourage them to go to higher education. I yeah. encourage them to go to college and whatnot. And I say when you're in college to do everything you can. Because what I did was I went on a bunch of like uh, three abroads. I did a domestic exchange. I went to NYU for a semester. Wow. I was my dorm president. Yeah. I was in intramurals, kept my grades up. I just did everything I could in college. I started a t-shirt company. Um, I did a lot of yeah. stuff. And doing so much opened me up. And I learned so many things from not, not even inside the classroom yeah, yeah. at Morehouse where I went. And so I encourage people to step outside their comfort zones yep. and just do and just do whatever you can to learn as much as you can to yeah. open your open your mind to different things so uh i guess the theme of my life has just been to kind of like keep an open mind yep. and things will the the right things will come to you the universe will put the right things in arm's reach if you just if you allow yourself, um, if you allow yourself to receive those things. Yeah, receive. Yes, yes. Well, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but when were you at NYU? Because I went to NYU. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So yeah. my sophomore, um, sophomore year, so two thousand, maybe three. Okay. Yeah, I think we were there at like slightly different times. Yeah. That's yeah. I stayed um, yeah. right on right in Union Square. In Carlisle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 I totally know that dorm. So, yeah. But I think just like doing and being and and not being a well. I mean, I think we're always going to be afraid of failure, right? But like being willing to take those risks, anyways, and to prepare as best you can, and then show up for all the myriad of amazing opportunities that life has to offer. Yeah. And and being able to laugh at yourself. And oh, like yeah. if you, if you fail at something, getting back up, taking that as a lesson. Yeah. And you, know, you said if you fail, but when you, when fail, you fail, it is inevitable. You're gonna fail. Yes. You know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I I saw this is another thing I saw in my office. I'm sorry, I saw in my dad's office, um, and it looked like it was on like a sticky note that he wrote yeah. to himself, and it said, "If you haven't failed, you haven't pushed the envelope far enough." Yeah. So it's yeah. like you better fail. You better. Do whatever you can until you fail, because then you don't know what you have within you. Oh yeah, I fail at least once a week. Yeah, probably once I, a day. Yeah, but me too. yeah, yeah. Times, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, um, and so where can people get in contact with you? Because I feel like people are going to watch this, they're going to listen to okay. it, they're going to want to buy some furniture, they're yes. going to want to see Ghost Island, they're going to uh, want yeah. you to come and speak, because you, you do a lot. So talk about the things that you do and how people can yes. connect with you. So I do. I okay. So. I, I do speaking engagements, I speak at schools, um, I mentor children, whatever. You, you can find me at wendellholland.com, that's W-E-N-D-E-L-L-H-O-L-L-A-N-D.com, or uh, for business inquiries or anything, you can go through wendellholland.com, or you can check out my work, kind of my catalog on Instagram for anything that I've built. It's at Beeve Unlimited, that's B-E-V-E Unlimited. Okay, awesome. And we'll put all of that in the show notes as well so that people can really link up with you um, because I, I just think your story is inspiring and, I, and your work is amazing. Okay. So hopefully they can you know, catch the, the visual version of it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you again for being on today. Absolutely, this was awesome. Yeah.
Thank you to Wendell for being here today um, and telling his amazing story about strength and resilience and um, coming through adversity and emerging stronger for it. And in terms of strength, Just Strong, the clothing brand for women, is one of our show sponsors and they have generously offered 10% off to any viewers or listeners of this podcast. So if you want to avail yourself of that deal, go to www.juststrong.com and enter the coupon code DARAEAST10 at checkout for 10% off. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. As always, thanks to our episode sponsors, our production team at Rebel Hill Consulting, and of course, many thanks to you, the listener. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I hope you're creating stories that empower you and inspire others.